Welcome to the Love Anarchy Podcast in the Relationship Rebellion, where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm your host, Andrea Atherton, love specialist, also psychotherapist of 25 years, um, sharing my insight into what I see with narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder, toxic relationships, and its effects on its victims. Like I shared in the episode about are you dating a narcissist or the telltale signs you're dating a narcissist, in this episode, I'm going to focus more on what happens to the victim and what needs to happen in order to break free from it and heal the trauma. But first, you have to realize that you're in it because being involved in a toxic relationship with a narcissist or somebody with borderline personality disorder or any of the other personality disorders that are out there, as well as being involved with somebody who's an active addict, drugs and alcohol or any other behaviors can be very, very toxic to the person involved with them. So while we're not going to go into the idea of codependency, this is how codependency is formed. So if you're interested in learning and questioning whether you are involved with a narcissist from the point of view of looking at the narcissist's behavior, then go back to my other podcast. But if you're ready for some self-inquiry or if there's someone you love that might be suffering from this toxic relationship, um, it might be interesting for you to look at because on both sides, narcissism is played up like, oh, he's, he's narcissist. But we all have narcissist behavior. But like we talked about in the other one, there's a difference between a toxic, malignant narcissism and some narcissistic traits. For the sake of review, we will go over some of these traits of what a narcissistic or toxic narcissist or somebody with narcissistic personality disorder has. And what's the difference between that and someone that you're not getting along with or that you're having disagreements with? The narcissistic personality disordered person really fears abandonment. So this grandiose or victimhood is often to hide these feelings about themselves. They are always looking for narcissist supply, so an outward admiration often from friends, from family, but most of all from a significant other. But there are some consistent behaviors or qualities about the interaction or relationship with the addict or the narcissist or somebody with a personality disorder. Uh, There is that feeling of constantly being manipulated and that that person 
seems to always want to gain that that kind of control. And there's no consistent support and attention. And often when you get positive attention, it's to get you to do something. It's or to get you back if there's signs of you leaving. But it's usually always about the narcissist. And knowing that this is never or ever felt like a healthy relationship. There are constant letdowns, lying, and inconsistent behavior. They're, what they promise never matches up with their behavior. It's never about you. It's always about what the person desires and what they want. Your feelings or your needs are rarely put into consideration. Everything's always your fault. Something about a narcissist is they rarely say they're sorry. It's only when they really get found out or they're trying to manipulate a situation, they'll say they're sorry. But they're very good at turning it around and making it the victim's fault or confusing the victim so much they don't trust their own reality or what they saw or what they heard. It's like a constant grinding down with put-downs, with manipulations, with making you doubt yourself. Not that there aren't good times, especially at the beginning when they're charming and it seems to be all about you when they're placing you on a pedestal. As the relationship wears on, there's walking on eggshells, that constant fear about who that person is going to be, what's going to upset them. Also, a feeling that you can never make them happy, no matter how much of yourself you give up or how much you isolate from friends and family and give to them. It is never enough. Because what it comes down to is we all need to have self-esteem and self-worth coming from inside ourselves, and we can't get it from the outside. While narcissists know they hurt other people, I'm not sure they, they care sometimes. They lack that empathy and sympathy. Um, they lack that ability to come to closure or problem-solve problems because they struggle to take their part in it and always make it about you. So enough about talking about the narcissist. I want to focus on the person who's been involved in a relationship, a toxic romantic relationship or friendships or a narcissistic boss or even worse, parents. I often have people come into the office who've been affected by narcissists and addicts. They have a very drained quality. By the time they come to therapy and are ready to tell their story or ready maybe to start making some changes. And it's often in hopes that 
they can do, say, or become something that will make the narcissist happy. So then again, they will be placed on the pedestal or at least loved, respected, and having some say in the relationship themselves without getting put down, abused, and most of all, victims just want to be heard and acknowledged, which unfortunately, it rarely happens when involved with a narcissist. When a client comes in, they are often beaten down. They look physically frazzled. It's almost like a soul-sucking experience. So much self-doubt about leaving or staying, doubt about their own worthiness and their own ability to create a healthy relationship. They don't see the relationship as one-sided that they're doing all the work, but that's really what ends up happening. They get manipulated and they're doing and giving everything. And that's narcissist supply. And this is what the narcissist looks for when they are seeking a victim or a supply. So who are these people that get picked by narcissists or are attracted to narcissists? And let me tell you, everybody initially can be attracted to a narcissist. It's being able to see the red flags before it becomes too late and you fall in love. But they are very compelling. They're often very attractive. And they listen really well and become and morph into that person that the victim has always wanted. And like I said in the last podcast about defining what a narcissist is and are you in a relationship with one, is it too good to be true? And when I hear my clients say this, oh my gosh, he is my Prince Charming. He is the man that I've always dreamed of. He is perfect. Nobody is perfect. This is a huge red flag. And especially when They come in the love bombing phase. And I hear all these things constantly, like over-exaggerations of romance, flowers, champagne, love, um, constantly trying to push the relationship forward. And I remember when I was first out dating after my divorce, and I was involved with um, somebody who had borderline personality disorder. And I remember it feeling like it was going a little fast and saying, can we have a talk about it? So we talked on the phone and he showed no interest in taking it slow and continuing to see other people. That was one of the first signs of getting my boundaries stepped over because pretty much he wanted to control how fast the relationship went and how long that he would have to love bomb. So people fall for narcissists for many reasons, a million, trillion, billion reasons, because everybody is so different. 
But again, they have an appealing characteristics, often intelligent, they appear successful, um, they have a sense of humor, they know how to win people over in the short term. And often these are the qualities that once you're in a long-term relationship with a narcissist, that you are somehow hoping to get back. These are the times that you long for, that you felt safe, that you felt loved, that you felt the center of their world. I believe with online dating and social media that we're so much more susceptible to falling for this love bombing stage because sometimes it feels so lonely and so isolated that when somebody comes and just loves you and feels you are the special and the only one, it feels so good and it's hard not to fall for. Some of my therapist friends and I joke that yeah, sure, being with a narcissist is fun for about or one or two weeks. But then after that, the fun wears off and the toxic behavior starts. I kind of think of it as dancing with the devil, that it's fun to be love bomb, placed on a pedestal, and having all these romantic gestures laid at your feet having long, exciting, passion-filled nights, but dancing with the devil that you have to pay the devil back in the long run and sometimes with post-traumatic stress disorder. Another reason why people might fall or be more susceptible for falling with in love with a narcissist or somebody with a personality disorder is repeating childhood patterns and maybe having narcissistic parents yourself. I did. Both of my parents had borderline personality disorder, so I totally understand this. And even if you felt like you've done work or that you resolved it and you are in a healthy place, any unresolved issues that are often buried deep can come into play. It's easier to look over the red flags. I kind of think of kids coming from homes with narcissistic or addicted parents as having thicker skin or being able to handle bad behavior better. So a high tolerance for bad behavior is not a good thing. It can also bring up a lot of those confusing feelings that come in and that you feel comfortably uncomfortable in. Like something doesn't feel right. There's a part of you that's like screaming to get out, but then there's a part of you unconsciously says, but I know this kind of evil. I know this kind of love and you know what to expect. Of course, what happens though later is that trauma gets laid in deeper, not only with parents, but with romantic relationships. And often the victim is re-wounded. 
I've had some clients and I've read some studies that this is actually a addictive behavior too. And if you think of codependency being an addiction too, but what it does to your brain, it becomes very addicting to win somebody over or figure it out. And at the beginning, it feels so good when you're getting love bombed and you're the special person who gets picked. Right there, oxytocin, endorphins released in the brain. And then down the line, things take a curve, usually slowly. The gas gets put in there and that it turns into a very dark place. And then you're left craving that feeling again. And when the victim is in this web and is the host for the narcissist, it is difficult and very painful to get out of when you've gotten so tangled up and so in love. The breakups can be very, very painful. So in a video that I saw by Dr. Les Carter, he discussed narcissist and trauma bonding. So trauma bonding is this weird attachment to your abuser and that you become bonded to them. So again, rather than looking at narcissist behavior, start looking at yourself or maybe the person you love that you think might be in a toxic relationship. They begin to feel that they are the problem. That's why they often really hesitant to get out of the relationship or to seek help because they feel like there's something wrong with them. They become very self-limited with the things in their life or um, with even focus on themselves and seem to be all focused on keeping the relationship with a narcissist in good standing or keeping them calm. They often look physically unwell, circles under the eyes, they look drained, they don't often smile. And then there is a physical and again, spiritual exhaustion. It's from thinking about the relationship or trying to get your needs met without coming into conflict with the person they're in relationship with. There is an emotional weakness and a small sense of self that gets dwindled away as you give away parts of yourself to appease the narcissist. You feel like you're not in control of anything especially the relationship. And it's true, we don't have control. But at a point, you don't even have control of yourself or your life where you should have control. You feel subjugated and demanded to act and behave in a way that pleases the narcissist. But you know there's a pull to leave and you know there's something wrong, but you feel guilty about even having thoughts of abandoning or leaving them. You really lose yourself in trying to hold the relationship together because you're doing all the work. You feel like you always have to say yes or suffer consequences. You start limiting requests 
or things going your way and maybe stop bringing up things that bother you or that you are wanting. You feel an intense sense of shame that is precipitated by the narcissist shaming you constantly and having that really, really sink in that there is something broken within you. You have self-doubts. Your self-worth gets trampled. You feel like damaged goods and you don't feel lovable. And there are threats. And when you are thinking about leaving and they say, you can never leave me or it will, you know, or general statements like it will be horrible for you if you leave. People often think, well, if you're in such a horrible relationship, just leave. But with a narcissist or somebody with a personality disorder, it really isn't that easy. And they really manipulate and push you down and keep you so confused that it's really very difficult. And this is when we really look at post-traumatic stress disorder or trauma and even complex post-traumatic stress disorder. This is really notable by confused, scary, and paralyzed feelings and thoughts when in the relationship and thinking about your loss of control in the relationship or leaving the relationship. You can begin to feel trapped in a unhealthy, destructive relationship patterns. When it gets that bad, I often find that my clients blame themselves because the narcissist always puts the blame on them. It's always their fault. And they're always not giving enough or doing enough. So this makes the victim feel very small and struggles to get motivated to stand up for themselves because so much of themselves has been chopped away. Dr. Romani talks a little bit in one of her videos in the difference between healthy or regular relationships and toxic relationships. And she talks about how media, friends, and even some mental health professionals downplay the idea of narcissistic personality disorder and focus on the anxiety and stress and trauma of the identified patient. And this is why it's so important to dig deeper and see what the backdrop of the relationship is before automatically assuming it is the victim. Looking at empathy, respect, and self-awareness of their partner. Do they feel safe in the relationship? Are there periods of time where there isn't that anxiety or fear that the other shoe's going to drop or that their partner's just going to rage un- unexpectedly? But oftentimes, too, I think the victim has a lot of shame about being in the relationship and not being able to leave, feeling like 
they don't have motivation or willpower to do it or even solid thought process about how to even do that. The stages from the love bombing into the gaslighting can be very subtle. It can be over a long period of time, can be over a short period of time or go back and forth between. But it happens in such a way that the victim doesn't even realize it's happening until the the toxins are in the system and um, the behavior is controlled by the narcissist. Um, I think of it as a slow bleeding away of you, your feelings of safety, the loss of your pleasures and your happiness, your sense of self or your sense of putting yourself first, and other connections drifting away or being cut off because of the needs of the narcissist and loss of connection with your family and closest friends. So in looking at the mirror or looking at your friend, if you suspect that they or you are involved in a toxic relationship or might be suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Take a solid assessment and notice if you have any of these signs or symptoms. Feeling of shame or being shamed in always feeling like it is your fault. And if you just did something or gave something different, that your partner would change. The feeling or the inability to be loved, like there is very little chance that you are lovable. You feel rejected, confused, and always walking on eggshells and always feeling the highs or the lows in the relationship. The lows usually coming more and more. And little ability to resolve and bring conflict to any resolution. The same arguments come up over and over until you stop bringing up your concerns about them and concede to what the narcissist wants. A really disrupted sense of reality and sense of self. Nothing you feel you do works. Often when you give feedback or have an opinion, with it comes rage from the narcissist. And you feel like you have to give up more and more, but it never changes things or makes them happy. Are you deeply sad, anxious, and convinced that you are the problem? And again, not knowing what you're going to get day to day and often having nothing to do with what you do say or how you behave. You feel like you're in a no-win situation and you feel like, again, you have to give in or things get more and more explosive. You feel the need to appease the abuser. You find more and more time is devoted to thinking or worrying about the relationship, a feeling of helplessness and fear starts to take over. And 
that need to hang on to when the times were good and try to block out all the times that were bad. And knowing, having a knowing that you need to do something different or leave, but have that trauma freeze response. Motivation drops. You begin to feel apathetic. You lose yourself and any sense of power. Yes, this is trauma or complex trauma. Although you feel to blame and you're very confused, this anxiety, loss of self, feelings of the lack of being lovable are all signs of trauma. And while this episode isn't about the treatment or moving forward from a narcissistic relationship, it's noticing the things within yourself so you can take those steps toward healing and getting out of the relationship. But things that you want to focus on right away are not making excuses for the abuse or what is really happening or how you are really feeling or being affected by your partner's behavior. Release your duty to your partner and your partner's happiness. Watch even in your own head the must, shoulds, and the do's and the don'ts. You are not bound to anybody except for yourself. Stop worrying about how they feel and start looking about how badly you feel and taking your energy and moving toward your motivation, your clear-headedness, and your happiness. Claim your freedom. You are free. You are not indebted to being a victim any longer. Take away your belief that you cannot choose. You always have a choice. And even if the narcissist tells you, you don't. No apologies. No apologies for being you and being unique and having your own feelings, wants, and needs. Find a therapist. Find a support group, even one online. And Start going back to the support system or the people who do love you or make you feel good about yourself or say or do things that lift you up. And even maybe you don't feel like you match that right now, go find that safe, calm haven of friends or family. Be patient with yourself. You are not to blame and you are not to beat yourself up for your non-motivation or fear about leaving the relationship. There is a lot of reasons behind that. Remember, most of all, that you are lovable. You are a good person. And that truly you have greatest intentions for people, maybe unlike your narcissist partner, but you have the capacity for love and to be loved and to be in healthy relationships. Thank you for listening to the Love Anarchy podcast and the Relationship Rebellion.
where we get deep about love, relationships, and dating. I'm Andrea Atherton, your host and love specialist, thanking you from the bottom of my heart for listening in with us today. Since you have a myriad of podcasts that you can choose from, please subscribe, ring the bell, leave a comment or like whatever your platform offers to support us if you enjoy this podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends so they can listen too. Join the community on Facebook, the Love Anarchy Podcast, where you can have a voice in on the podcast topics or suggest a topic or a podcast guest.